I'm Eric. And this is Paul. And this is Tim. In the right order. <laughs> Thank God. Well, you know, we, we, we weren't able to include Wayne today. I'm sure that you have seen in the news that there's a government shutdown. And we do uh, – Wayne does appear courtesy of a federal grant uh, on this program. So sadly, until, uh, you know, the budgetary situation is we won't get into Wayne's presence. So uh, this will be a Wayne-free episode due to the government shutdown. Nice. That's how you make funny books great again. <laughs> that is exactly how you make funny books great again. How are you guys doing, Tim? It seems like it's been forever since we talked to you on the funnies. Well, you know, I got really drunk after the show, and it, it's it's been a bunch of parties. Um, and you know, by parties, I, he means rehab. Tim's been in rehab. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Him and yeah. Ben Affleck. Well, well you know, it, it, I, those are the circles I run in. So, yeah. We, we had a good chat. Well, you know, when, when uh, Tim's on the show, Paul, we always like to talk about one of his favorite things, documentaries. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I have been watching uh, Toys That Made This, this uh, Toys That toys that Made Us. That's yes. what it's called, right, mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, and I got to tell you, you know, the, the only one that I was interested in in that lineup with these uh, was Star Wars toys, right? But I watched the Barbie one. That was fascinating. That was the secret yeah. sexual past of Barbie. That was fascinating. I thought that one was a good one. It was, for me, yeah. it was the weakest of the four. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. And I don't think that's just context, right? I, I don't think yeah. it's just um, the fact that it's about Barbie. I just I think that the He-Man one is so significantly the, good. The the He-Man one was amazing. And again, not interested in it because I wasn't a, a He-Man happened like right after I kind of graduated from from uh, playing with uh, action figures whole hog when I was a teenager. Um, you know, so I was just right at the I, I, I aged out right at the beginning of the He-Man fad. Um, so that wasn't my jam like it is for you. But. I thought it was a great story. It was a fantastic story. I'm really enjoying that. And I saw that uh, for the – because they, they only did four at this part. So there's the, the back half. Uh, yes. And and so they're they're doing other – I don't know what that's all about. But uh, uh, it's because I, I mean, Jesus hates you. That's fine. What, why is that? I, yeah, I, does he have I, to talk to his PR guy? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I keep hoping that you know that maybe there'll be a Micronauts, there'll be a ROM. You know, I, I just I, I keep watching Paul. Well, you know, I doubt that any of those that there's any interest in those properties because even Hasbro doesn't give a shit about them. Um, <laughs> you know, Why do you say that, Paul? Why do you say that? Well, so you know, Hasbro in partnership with Paramount announced a little while back that they were going to do this shared universe thing. It was going to be Transformers, GI Joe, Micronauts, Rom, Mask, kind of like IDW is doing in the comics right now. That's all kind of shared universe stuff. Um, right. But it was announced this week that the uh, Micronauts, ROM, and Mask movies have basically been put on the back burner to uh, focus instead on Transformers and G.I. Joe because those are the more lucrative properties. And I say shenanigans. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think yeah. if, if there's one thing people are, re- are are getting burned out on, it's the same old franchises. I, I right. think that with those those other franchises maybe are prime opportunities to introduce something new. Well, I, I do think that they should adopt the Marvel method, right? That you have the new thing pop up in the existing thing, right? 
you know, have a have a Micronauts uh, cameo in a Transformers movie. And, hey, I might buy a ticket to a Transformers movie. I have never done done that, but I would do it to see the Micronauts. Well, now you don't have to have that dilemma, that moral dilemma. You don't have <laughs> yeah, to sacrifice your morals to see yeah. a Michael Bay Transformer movie uh, with Marky Mark just because the Micronauts are in it, because that won't happen. Yeah. Or it's a shame. I, that, that, I was really... I was really hoping for some uh, new Micronauts and ROM toys. Well, and you know, I think the, uh, so apparently the writers on the Micronauts movie were the same folks who wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, who have just recently been hired to direct uh, Flashpoint, the new Flashpoint movie. Um, mm. So, you know, it, they, they actually talked a bit about, you know, the their work that they did on Micronauts. So it's, it is a shame because apparently a script had been written for it. Uh, but I guess... I think there's a lot of hesitation, right? You know, with um, yeah. with with the the way Star Wars went this year. Which don't get me wrong, it's still a big blockbuster, but I think uh, critically, it's it's getting slammed, and I think merchandise wise, it's taking a hit because people are just getting burned out on new Star Wars stuff, like a whole new line of Star Wars toys every year. I think people just need some space in between that, and Hasbro is is hesitant as well. Like, hold on, people aren't buying as much. Maybe we need to reexamine this. I wish people would re-examine, hey, maybe it wasn't that good a movie and people aren't that excited about the shit, the stuff from a shitty movie. I think that's, you know, I think a lot of people, I, I think a lot of companies are missing that point this year. Yeah, you know, when it comes I, I agree. To, to things like, you know, the toys and stuff, sales lagging this year, it could just be that there weren't really that many great movies this year, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I really think that's, that's part of it. Like Justice League, you know, I, I didn't buy much stuff. And, and well, partially I, I because will, the movie I didn't love. Well, and I will say I didn't think that the designs on the Justice League toys were that interesting. You know, I well, the, and it's another and, and for me it's a symptom of I already bought half of this shit because you released Batman, Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman uh, toys when right. Batman vs Superman came out. You know, same thing with Star Wars. Like, okay, well this is Luke with what. He's just wearing a cloak, but I already have a Luke. You know, it's kind of right. like there's only so many times you can re-release the same figures and, and still expect people to buy them. But Micronauts would be an all new line. It's yeah. I'm sorry, Aaron. Maybe it'll happen. Well, <laughs> maybe if, if not, that Bumblebee movie does gangbusters this year, uh, maybe maybe you'll get your ROM movie. Well, the toys that made movie. us the toys that made us probably won't be doing a uh, Micronauts or ROM uh, documentary, but I did see that they're doing the Star Trek toys documentary. They so. are uh, Star yeah. Trek Micronauts. I don't know what the other two are, but um, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I think it's a good show. I think it is a show made by people in our age group, which exactly. is, is one of the reasons I, I also, I find it interesting, but also eventually I think going to be an issue for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else do you do? Yeah. I mean, there was <laughs> only, know? I mean, are you going to, don't get me wrong. I want to see a Captain Power episode, but at the same time, you know, if you want to appeal to other folks, you want to probably do an episode about Beanie Babies and Cabbage Patch Kids. And, you know, th these are these I think maybe they need to expand out. Yeah. So, you know, I'll tell you who else is expanding out, who has who has seized on expansion is yet another superhero show on the CW that premiered this week. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, it's crazy to me that the CW is essentially the DC network. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it is. And you know what? From what I've seen, this doesn't look like a CW kind of show. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, so uh, so the the new show came out this week from, from uh, DC Entertainment on the CW. Black Lightning! Mm. 
Um, that is not how they say it in the show. Just putting that out there. <laughs> That's how Aaron says it every time. <laughs> it just sounds like a, a black exploitation flick from the seventies. But uh, I, I got to tell you, Paul, um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, other than some uh, editing choices that were made, I liked this show a great deal. I thought the show kicked ass. Um, I will I, say I'm not a fan of his costume. I I like the costume, but it seems a little ridiculous to think that you're going to lurk in the shadows with uh, the great big, you know, lightning bolt V on his chest that glows in the dark. Yeah. You know, like, the, like, like there's a scene after he's hit the motel to rescue his daughters and he's doing the whole, you know, Batman stand on the roof and, and watch the police do their thing. And he's, you know, Batman does it because, you know, he's all in black and gray and dark blue, you know, and he, he melds into the night. He is the night. Right. But you've got Black Lightning up there who looks like a neon sign standing literally next to the neon sign. But nobody can see him. But he's all he's got this glowy chest thing going on that has this little V pointing right down to the good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so I, I'm a lot. I'm a little amused by that. But, yeah, I thought I thought Jefferson Pierce, you know, the uh, ass. I liked him a great deal. My, my literally my only problems with the episode were was the way it was edited. Um so, you know, it opens up with him picking up his daughters at the police station, right? Because they were at a uh, protest rally against the gang in town called the 100. Yeah. Uh, that really kind of runs the city of Friedland. And he, uh, you know, he's fussing at them, you know, this is not what we do. You know, you're supposed to, you know, uh, be setting a, a better example. You know, don't protest this stuff. Be a doctor, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, and you get the impression that they were supposed to have been somewhere. He is out. Uh, uh, he gets pulled over, you know, for for driving while black. Right. And. You know, he, he stands in the rain and they, they haul the, I mean, they, they're abusive to him as they pull him out of the car. Walking over the car, there is an Asian store owner in the car. Uh, and they're like, is this him? And she says no. And they walk him back. And turns out there had been a liquor store robbery and, you know, black guy. And so they're just pulling over any random black guy in a Volvo uh, <laughs> to see if that's the guy. Um, you know, that his, he's, his daughters, I mean, it's one of those situations that you see in the news where it's like the, the, the folks in the car, uh, who are doing nothing other than questioning authority might get shot. And you, you really feel that pressure in the scene. Like, Oh my God, is, is the, is the cop going to start shooting into the car? Um, and that's where, you know, black lightning feels his internal rage. And the story in black lightning is that he's been retired for eight years, Paul, um, nine, but yeah. Yeah, nine years from you know, from a deal that he made with his his then wife, who was tired of seeing him shot up, him coming home bloodied, um, and you know he he decided that he would retire and throw himself into his job where he is clearly doing a great job. He's got a ninety percent graduation rate. Uh, you know the kids love him. He's you know it's 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 a it's a paradise in terms of uh, high school education. But the editing that I had a problem with is that so that scene happens, you know, he gets pulled out, uh, you know, 
by the police. And then the next scene opens up and he is at this fundraiser, right? And his daughters are in the bathroom at the fundraiser getting ready to go out. And, you know, I was like, oh, so this is a, a flashback in time before they got arrested. But it wasn't. It happened I, I was stunned that that they had that he is soaked in the rain. And the next thing you know, you see him in a fresh tuxedo at this event talking about how his uh, his daughter had just gotten arrested for being at a protest rally. And those two kids are then skipping out of the fundraiser that they're at that he brought them to to go out and do something else stupid. Yeah, I think the uh, there were I, I definitely had issues with some of the continuity. Um, you know, he was shot. Mm-hmm. In, in one scene and in you know the very next scene he's like going for a jog with his daughters like he's flying. right right um, but and, and then the only time you see him really you know after that after you know that scene at home where uh you think that his ex-wife is going to see the gunshot wound right yeah. uh, and was that from a gunshot wound or was that from the taser paul uh that he had that, no good point good point because you know there were those cable tasers right yeah anyway um he uh you demonstrate pain is when he's just taking off his jacket. You don't see any of that when he's out there kicking the uh, the bad guy's asses later on. Yeah. When he's all suited up. He's playing through the pain, Paul. Yeah. You know, and I, I think these are minor continuity errors that didn't minor. take away from my overall no. enjoyment. But it is sloppy. It's sloppy work. Yeah. Um, unnecessarily. You know, that the but fact the, that we're even talking about it. When otherwise it was a very strong pilot, it, well acted and everything. Well, and I like the... Uh, the social commentary, you know, yeah. we don't typically see that in a CW show. Um, I got to tell you, it felt a lot grittier than the other CW shows. Yes. Um, it felt more like Gotham, to be perfectly honest, than it did um, the, the CW DC universe. Um, that said, I know that there has been some commentary that this might not be taking place in the same universe as like Arrow or uh, uh, the other CW shows. So I'm curious about that, if we'll see black lightning pop up elsewhere i've heard it's not taking place um but it could just be that there are no plans to cross over yet right yeah maybe at some point in the future they can change that because there's certainly nothing conflicting uh, right about and, it. and that's my thing is i don't know why you wouldn't i don't know why you wouldn't uh you know keep them all in the same universe yeah he's you know he's fighting a different level of crime and he's clearly well removed geographically from from the rest of them uh, I think you're you're limiting your options if they're not in the same place. But of course, you have a multiverse, Paul. He could always just gate over at some point. True. Well, and to be, I mean, I will say this is a stronger pilot than anything since the Flash. I would agree. I would uh, agree. I I thought I thought this was. I I left it going, man. I can't wait for the next episode. I really enjoyed it. Well, and you know, the obvious comparison here for for most folks will be comparing it with the other African American superhero show, Luke Cage. And if I were to compare first episode to first episode, this blows away the first episode of Luke Cage. I would agree. I would agree. I, I think it's. Got, I think it has a, a a more clear perspective on what it's trying to do. So I, it did take a while to figure out family dynamics. Yeah. Um, like for instance, I, I was like, okay, how many daughters does he have? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I the and it didn't help that you know they started throwing nicknames at you from the yeah. jump. And I was like, OK, I don't understand who we're talking about, but I finally figured it out. It didn't spoon feed you some things that I generally like pilots to spoon feed to me yeah. so just so that you understand who everybody is. But I got to tell you, it was sharp. It was a sharp, sharp show. It looked good. Um, I I liked the bad guys in it. 
Yeah. Um, there was that wonderful scene uh, where he is con- confronting Lala. Um, and he's not even confronting Lala. You know, he, he you, you see that he has created this sort of detente uh, for his school amongst all the gangs. Because keep in mind, Friedland is rife with gang activity while Jefferson Pierce seems to live in the little oasis. Everything around it, nibbling around the edges, seems to be driven by gang activity. And so he has you know, secured a safe space for his school. And you know when he goes to to fuss at Lala about you know this guy who came on his campus with a gun, uh, that scene was pretty intense. And I and I thought, wow, this is really good. We're not wearing costumes. One guy's wearing a business suit. The other guy's wearing a track suit. And that was a tense scene. Yeah, it was well yeah. done. Definitely I, I worth really enjoyed Tim. it. I know Tim, and, you're you're on the fence about it. I definitely recommend watching it. I think it is. Uh, a, a really strong start. Hopefully it continues the level of quality because, you know, pilots are, are typically a higher level of quality than the rest of the show. Yeah, I would agree. So, you know, so this is, we're going to stick with the DC portion of the show. And I want to talk about some exciting news that I read yesterday. I think uh, recently on the show, we were talking about how Action Comics 1000 is coming out. Right. And so it is due out in April and they announced yesterday, as of the time of this recording, uh, that the red trunks are returning. Um, you know, Jim Lee has redesigned the Superman costume. And I got to be honest, redesign is a real stretch because it's the same <laughs> fucking costume, just with the red trunks outside. Right. It, it is the same costume as he currently has, except with the red trunks outside, because um his uh, it, it it still has like the uh, the weird thing at the end of the sleeves, the little pointy things right. on the end of the sleeve, like like athleisure. Um, but uh, so Jim Lee, well, it's th- got that it's got that little the little thumb hole. Yeah, <laughs> I like the thumb hole. I know you do, Paul. I know you do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jim Lee is doing the cover for Action Comics number one thousand. Uh, so there's, I'm going to read a little bit here. Um, contributors to this once-in-a-lifetime issue include legendary Superman movie director Richard Donner and New York Times bestselling writer Jeff Johns with art by Olivier Copiel. Um, other contributing creative teams will include Paul Dini with Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Tom King with Clay Mann and Jordi Belair, Brad Meltzer with John Cassidy and Laura Martin, Louis Simonson with Jerry Ordway, Scott Snyder with Tim Sale, and more to be announced, including Brian Michael Bendis uh, with his first story, and Marv Wolfman will script a story based on unpublished art by Kurt Swan. How much is this book going to cost? I think eight bucks. Oh. Yeah. Well, well that I don't care of it. There's also an there's also an expanded uh, hardcover that yeah. will come out as well, which is probably going to be like twenty thirty bucks. Yeah, I am absolutely yeah. going to pick this book up. I mean, it's a, it's it, there's no doubt. Yeah, well, and it's going to be one of those books that I own both digitally and physically. I'm, I'm going to pick up the hardcover. I, I think the hardcover I, is going to be a, going to be a pretty tabletop book. I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a fan of the the red trunks. I got to be honest. I love but, the red trunks. They've been the red it, trunks have been missing from my life. It, it makes sense to change them for the, the thousand the thousands issue. So for hardcore fans of, of Superman, I, I get it. But I, yeah, I, he kept naming the names, and I'm like, that's another dollar. That's another dollar. Like, <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's. Uh, it, I mean, certainly they're they're bringing out an all star team. 
to 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 celebrate Action Comics number one thousand. You know, and I forgot to get for mention there is a story also by um, Pete Tomasi and Patrick Leeson uh, as well. You know, uh, so. By the way, part in this, like, oh, good, thanks. Yeah, there's another dollar, Tim. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, it's I, I'm super excited about it. The creative team is just amazing. Um, I'm glad to hear that Jeff Johns will have a hand in it. Um, I just gotta say, as excited as I am for it, it I, 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 if I have to slog through issues of Superman, thir- like Superman 39, to get there, I hope it's worth it. Yeah, Superman 39 was rough, Paul. Uh, so I, here, don't know, I, I don't know what the rest of you guys thought, but but it was rough. I think you and I are the only ones who read this one. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it on the shelf, so, so I must it, have missed that. It's a skip. I mean, it it, it is a skip. Yeah. It is written by. Um, I think it is written by Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason. Yeah, it sure uh, is. The art uh, is by Barry Kitson, but it feels very much like a fill-in issue. And uh, if, uh, f- here's the thing: it is a sweet story, one-off story. Um, but for me, it felt very much like a backup story. Yeah. It should have been three pages. Yeah. It was the, the, the story is Superman and the justice league visit a children's hospital and give them a day. You give them an excellent day, right? We fly them into space. We take them to the watchtower. We, you know, let them walk on the moon. They get this fantastic experience, and that's a great story. I mean, we should see our heroes doing this kind of stuff. It didn't need to be 22 pages. No. It needed to be three pages. Yeah. And I just I, – I felt – yeah, like like Paul said, it was a, a uh, filler issue, and I just felt ripped off. You know, I, I felt like, you know, they, they, they stole my, uh, my $3 um, giving me something that just really was a whole bunch of fluff. Well, and to a certain extent, right, we, we said similar things about Superman's trek across the country with his, you know, wife and son, that that felt like a backup story also. In the books were terrible, were just terrible. Uh, but, you know, at least this was only one issue. It wasn't three. True. And again, I mean, I like, you know, I've always liked seeing Superman do good deeds, right? Beyond, you know, saving the the, wor- the world from disaster and supervillains. I like seeing him doing nice things for people. Um, it seems woefully irresponsible, though, to me to take children to the Justice League satellite where, you know, you never know if Despero is going to show up or, you know, <laughs> any any number of other terrible things. I mean, what if one of the things they found while they were doing hide and seek, I'm sorry, the the uh, the scavenger hunt on the, on the satellite, what if they found Starro? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this seems woefully irresponsible. But that said, I, I, it was just it was a it was a bunch of wasted space in in my opinion. Yeah. So I, I I really disliked this book. At a three to five page story, it would have been perfect. Absolutely, would, and and we 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 would be probably praising it. Um, at a twenty two page story or twenty page story, it was just a uh, a bit excessive. Yeah, it was more than you needed. But you know, I'm you know maybe they can bundle this thing up and you know it, it'll be a fundraising tool at you know children's hospitals. I don't know, but boy, I hated this a whole lot. Yeah, and here's the thing: if it was if it was a story, you know, if the, if the sales proceeds of this did go perhaps to um, the Children's Miracle Network or something, yeah, Children's Miracle yeah. Network or uh, Make a Wish type thing, yeah. that, then I, I I I would be uh, saying I'd feel better things. about it. Yeah, yeah, I'd feel a lot better about it. But yeah, it just it just seemed gratuitous, and it was, it was too much. Yeah. 
So, you know, at the back of this book, there is a special sneak preview of Kenneth Rocafort and Justin Jordan and Dan Didio's Sideways. Um, did you guys read this? I did not. Mm-hmm. So did you ever see that movie Jumper, Aaron? Yes. It, it, this reads basically like that movie, but with um, a costume. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got that impression, Tim. Did you ever see Jumper? I didn't see Jumper, no. Yeah. What did you think of this backup thing? Um, I was okay right up until the last panel. <laughs> I thought the last the last panel guy was ridiculous looking. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Like it felt, it felt like they were trying to write Spider Man. I got to be honest. And it, it it is. It feels very. It's Spider Man, but with teleporting. Um, yeah. You know. So this is the start. Or you know, they're they're previewing all these new age of DC heroes books. So we've now seen previews of Damage, Silencer, and Sideways. Um, I'm going to talk about Damage here in a little bit. Um, But none of these previews have impressed me, I will say. Um, But what little I have seen of the Terrifics, which I've already spoken about on the funnies about how much I was looking forward to it. You know, there's an interview with Jeff Lemire at the back of the books. um, And it shows the, the cover of issue one. God, I cannot wait for the Terrifics. Oh, Paul. It even has like a freaking Doctor Doom ripoff on it. I mean, I just can't wait for this book. <sighs> yeah, I, same same here. I'm super really? excited. Really? Well, I'm, I'm, that's cool. Because I, I looked at that and I went, that's not for me. That is all for me. Especially since Doc Shaner is the artist on the second arc. Yes, give it to me. Give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what wasn't for me this week? The Super Sons super- of Tomorrow finale? Yeah, Super Sons number twelve sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It now, did. Now, Tim, Tim, you read this book, and I don't want to prejudge it for you, but if you come back with anything other than this book sucked, you're wrong. So uh, there you go. I, I'm not prejudging. Uh, d- d- okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I'll I'll say this. I don't think much happened. Like that was a whole lot of build up to nothing. It yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. I'm I'll... I. I. I actually. I actually kind of liked some of the interaction, but we didn't need five issues to get the, to get, you know, Connor, Connor and Damien to like each other. They've already done that story, right? You know, and it seems like Damien forgets because he gets hit in the head a lot or something. I don't know because John always knows. <laughs> He's always confused by Damien being an a hole. <laughs> So I don't know. I that that I guess that was my major. Like I like the art. My major concern was that I I didn't feel like that led to anything. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this one, Tim. And and it's also um, a bit misleading to call this the finale um, because this book is very much just an epilogue. The story's over. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I find so weird that this is part of that 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 this wasn't three pages in the back of the previous book, right? That, that we got a whole nother book to do for Superman to sit and think, right. And to have this conversation about, well, I might have to restrict your, you know, access to Damien. You guys can't play together anymore. I mean, it was that so conversation weird. again. Yeah. Well, it was so weird in the book. I mean, it, it there was a moment where, you know, Superman's sitting there thinking, and they're like, well, what's he doing? Well, thinking, I think. And I was like, is is he going to turn around and be evil? <laughs> you know, is he possessed by something? Did he take the boys into the, into the fortress so that he could then murder them? Um, 
it was it was weird. The the pacing on that scene was weird. Um, you had the big ending at the last where uh, Dre absorbs the 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 solar flare of Jonathan, and you know it saves the day, right? Altering the future, or you know, altering at least the the circumstance uh, where John is predicted to blow up Metropolis, and then it opens up with the new Tim Drake, the the future Tim Drake, now called Savior, uh, <laughs> which I'm kind of amused by by the choice of name, given that you know he sacrificed himself, um, you know, floating through time, and you see all of these crisis events, right? You see Flashpoint, you see. Uh, infinite crisis on the infinite earth. You see infinite crisis. You see uh, all these different events, right? Um, it just, the, the, the book again, much like the Superman book was overinflated, uh, handled a bunch of stuff that, that really should have been part of the previous book, you know, of jerky in certain places too, like the Superman's reaction to Damien in front of Damien. Certainly, this is a conversation that a father has in front of his son or with his son. But to have it, you say, "Yeah, I'm thinking Damien's a bad influence on you." Sorry, Damien. <laughs> He's I like, mean, "No objection, sir." Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of a douchebag thing to do, and out of character for Superman. And if I'm Batman, I'm going to be pissed off about that. I'm going to come kick Clark's ass. You hurt my son's feelings. <laughs> and he'd be like, y- your son, the League of Assassins son? Like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, like, like I said, it was a pretty book. They, you know, I gotta be honest, like, the Teen Titans didn't didn't give me any interest in to read them. No. Because they had it right. It took them all of three seconds to fall the fuck apart and start fighting each other. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, this... I, I, I don't have a severe hatred for this book, but it no, was... I didn't hate it. It was just very mediocre. Yeah, and it shouldn't be, because it, it I, I wanted it to be more. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And we've been harsh on the two books we've been talking about this week, but one book that I really did enjoy was Batman 39. Yep. And, you know, and I think, was Batman our favorite choice for favorite ongoing series last year? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, Batman. And yep. uh, Tom King, obviously, as the, the writer, he won Writer of the Year. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that trend continues in this week's Batman number 39, at least for me. Uh, but before I get into the content of this book, I, I, we say this every issue, but Olivia Copiel's alternate cover. Yeah. With Wonder Woman. Pretty hot. God, yes. Pretty hot. Uh, um, my, I, I like this book. I, I like this story a great deal. My only concern about it, not really concerned that just, I, it's an observation, it is awfully derivative of a, of, of a very similar story between Wonder Woman and Superman. And I, I was racking my brain last night to try and remember what that what that book was. But it was a similar situation where uh, Wonder Woman and Superman were fighting an ongoing battle outside of the timeline. So while time was not moving on Earth, um, time was 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 a very elongated uh you know was was moving very fast i should say in this other reality where they were so they were aging or they were they were spending like 50 years together on this you know on this battle and the will fall in love would they ultimately you know uh fall for each other and that's the same kind of thing here with batman 
Paul, do you know the story I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, it rings a bell. I just don't yeah. recall what I've seen, what it was. Was it an animated series episode? No, no, it was it was a comic. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I don't remember the I don't remember the name of the book, but I certainly do remember the story, and I remember liking the story. You know, it was it was in that period where you know Superman and Lois were married, and you know the question was, would Superman be unfaithful? You know, over this period of time, and of course he wasn't. Um, and so that's the question here. You know, you've got you know Batman and Wonder Woman fighting in this other realm, the everlasting battle, um, and they've already been there ten years by the time we get to the end of this book. And it does seem like they're leaning in for a kiss. I, you know what, I, and I don't know if this is happening. I figure there's going to be a line from Selena. After 10 years, I'd have kissed her, too. <laughs> you know, that's, kind of, that's kind of what I think she'd say. <laughs> um, there's there's a and I and I'm not familiar with the story that you guys are talking about, but there's a scene where uh, Wonder Woman is is uh, basically washing up <laughs> because, you know, she's covered in blood. And they've been in a fight. Yeah. And it's very nonchalant. It's very much a shampoo commercial. And you just turn the page and then. Batman is like pinned to the ground by this giant insect, and she's like, "Oh, do you need help?" He's like, "I got it." <laughs> it, was very, it was very funny. Well, and I love that the he uh, the the line is, "Oh, you, know, I think you do need help. Uh, it's not a problem. I will pull, you know, with the lasso. You'll stab. Yes, yes. <laughs> I will pull. You will stab." Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought it had had, a, had an interesting sense of humor. It was a nice bit of whimsy with Catwoman uh, walking the gentleman uh, around Gotham. Uh, I, I thought it was all very interesting. I just it seemed a little bit derivative from that uh, Superman story that I was talking about. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Loved the art. Um, I, I you know knowing Tom King, I don't know that we're going to get an answer anytime <laughs> soon. As to what happened. Like, in the next issue, he'll be back, and it'll be a new story. And at some point in the future, we'll, we'll find out what happened. I, I just right. don't feel like the, that it says to be continued. I don't think we're going to find out next issue. Really? I just have a feeling. That's Tom King's M.O., you know? Fucking Tom King. Mm. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so, you know, I mentioned the, the new age of DC heroes. And uh, so this week, I picked up Damage Number One from Tony Daniel and Robert Venditti, and uh, you know I just wanted to give it a shot. And I, I will tell you, I probably would not have if it was three ninety nine, but thankfully, it's a two ninety nine first issue, um, and it's very much. Uh, so I will say the art is is gorgeous. Tony Daniel does a great job on the art. Um, big bombastic action. Not a ton actually happens in the first issue. It's pretty much um, just destruction. Uh, because as far uh, the story, the line that I can get from the first issue is that we're dealing with um, a government created Hulk. This, this character basically turns into the Hulk, but they can only do it for one hour every 24 hours. And, you know, it's, it's designed as, you know, you drop them into a war zone or whatever. They do whatever damage they need to do and, you know, turn back into a human. And so that's what what happens in the first issue, except he escapes. Uh, the damage escapes into a populated area. Uh, and at the end of the issue, the Suicide Squad is brought in to to bring it to bring damage in. Um, so, like I said, not a ton happens. I, I thought the first issue was fine. It, it, you know, uh, it, it reminds me. 
One of my concern with a lot of these New Age of DC Heroes books, looking at them, it feels very much inspired by the 90s. Right. Um, you know, it feels like a lot of these books are, are inspired by the 90s. Um, I'm going to bring in 90s type artists like John Romita Jr., Kenneth Rocafort, Tony Daniel. You know, these guys have that have that 90s sensibilities to them. The character designs kind of feel that way. So it reminds me of things like Bloodlines. I think I've made that, that comparison before. Um, and Damage doesn't do anything to dissuade from that opinion. Uh, it feels very much like you could have plucked it. It feels very much like if Image had ripped off the Hulk, which of course they did, when Image first started, it feels like that's what this book is. Um, you know, there, there's the whole government connection, government conspiracy that was all big in the 90s. This feels like a 90s image book in, in good ways and in bad ways. There's enough there to bring me back for a second issue, um, but uh, I, I, I didn't love it. Uh, I, I'm still looking forward to some of the DC heroes or the New Age books. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to New Challengers and Terrifics, like I mentioned. Um, a couple of the others, a, a little less so, but um, kind of a kind of a mediocre start. You know, there was nothing mind blowing about Damage. It's it is DC's, I think, answer to the Hulk. So we'll see where the story goes from here. Yeah, the the it did not grab me when I looked at the preview pages for it. Yeah. So it was like in the call <laughs> but that's that's interesting that we've said yeah that one looks like spider-man this one looks like hulk is is the problem us well no because the you know, I... is very much supposed to be their answer to fantastic four so maybe that's the intent <laughs> maybe i'm maybe i'm maybe that's exact exactly what we're looking at here is the intent is to rip off marvel because it does kind of feel that way now that we're talking about it the silencer is kind of like the punisher female punisher or black widow maybe i i, I can't tell what it is because john reed is drawing it but <laughs> I, you don't you know what and that's that's pretty bold if you're like you know what because there's got to be people like me that aren't aren't reading a whole lot of marvel right now it's like if dc could tell about a marvel story with the marvel character knockoffs right well to wow. a certain extent do you think that's what they're trying to do i do think I, that was they're very much the reason behind terrifics marvel isn't publishing fantastic four Fuck it, we're gonna do it. Um, you know, I, maybe that's what they're trying to do is bring in some of those Marvel folks. Like these characters are kind of like what you like, but we're doing them right. And I'm wondering if that's their intent, but just not without saying it out loud. If that's their intent, then it's very weird for them to do exactly what you said, which is team them with a bunch of '90s artists or right. '90s sensibility artists. We'll just say yeah. that. So if they were gonna do that, I don't know why they would it. <laughs> It's like they had a good idea, and then they 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 hired the guys from Image from 1993, and it's like I don't know about that. Yeah, well, to a certain extent, Jim Lee's one of them, so <laughs> yeah, I, I you know it may, it may be okay, but like I said, none of them have grabbed me. Like I need to read this, so yeah. like I, it sounds like sounds like Damage was okay, but not it didn't move the needle. We'll yeah, I mean, for three bucks, it was worth it. it. It's worth me giving a second issue if the second issue is is as good then i don't know that i'll pick up a third because you know that means it's two relatively okay issues but if the second issue is better there i i'm not reading hulk but i like the um i like the concept i like the concept of damage i just need more more story and i didn't get a lot of story in this first issue but you know since we're talking about marvel marvel had a couple of big news items this week 
which is uh, the first one is that dance slot after something like 180 something issues uh, of Spider-Man is leaving Spider-Man with issue 801. He's staying till 801. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, he, he is leaving Spider-Man and moving on to Iron Man. Huh. Yeah. Apparently, you know, this has been in the works for years. He just has been coy about talking about it. So I know a lot of us read some of the earlier Dan Slot a couple, like, three, four years ago. And generally speaking, liked what he did for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. I think Wayne's the only one that's stuck on through this entire run. Does he still so, read it? I don't I think I know Dale he's got, gets us with it. Yeah, I know he's got Dan Slott Spider-Man issues, but I know he he likes uh, his work on Sil- Silver Surfer. Yeah, because it reads like a Doctor Who book. Mm. Um, I, I uh, you know, I I think I jumped out. It was at the conclusion of Superior Spider-Man, which I loved. Superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was brilliant. Um, I just I I couldn't I couldn't do the next chapter after that. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I, I, I think Dan Slott's a great writer. I think that he's he has obviously had a historic run on the Spider-Man title. I'm not sure that Spider-Man's my book anymore. Um, I'd be curious to see, you know, who comes after him, but uh, uh, and what new takes they that they uh, they uh, take on. But um I got to tell you, it's it's not much of a news item for me simply for the fact that I haven't read Spider-Man in a good long time. Well, the reason I, I bring it up is because, like I said, the the earlier stuff that he wrote, I was a, I was a pretty big fan of. Yeah. Do you, do you think he like used all because he's had that big notebook? We heard we've heard that story. Right. Yeah. Um, was a notebook of Spider-Man ideas. Do you, do you think he, he used all the good ones in the beginning and then maybe this run, this first couple you know, a uh, series with Iron Man, he'll do the same thing and it might be really good. I would hope so, so because I, it's been for me, it's been such a long time since there's been a good Iron Man story. And here's the thing, you know, so I like Dan Slott. I like him on a personal level. He's a friend of funny books, you know, nice guy. Um, you know, I have fallen off the train with Spider-Man and I think part of that, I, I here's the thing. I think part of that was the storyline in Spider-Man at least the stories, the, the storyline that I was reading when I dropped it didn't necessarily interest me. And part of it was the fact that I was just not interested in the, the, the state of the Marvel universe post secret wars. Sure. Mm. Um, you know, I, it, it's cause I, I started reading Spider-Man. I didn't dislike it, but at two times a month and sometimes the issues were five bucks, it was just not cost effective for me to keep purchasing that book. Sure. Um, you know, for, for a storylines that I didn't necessarily love. Uh, I do, and I think Marvel hasn't necessarily been putting their their full efforts into merchandising it as they did when Dan Slott first started. You know, when Spider Island came out and um, Spider Verse and those stories that had these big sweeping crossovers, it seems like it's been a while since that's happened. Um, so I, I will likely dabble my t- d- dabble i will likely dip my toe back in the water of spider-man for this final arc um I- i've heard it does perhaps um you know bring back up the mary jane uh you know mephisto thing um you know i, I think he's because that was one of his first real involvements you know was right after right around that time frame so 
I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to wrap up his storyline. I think it'll be an interesting story. And I, I would certainly give him a shot on Iron Man. It'll piss me off if the first issue's five bucks, and we know it will be. Because um, <sighs> it's, it's you know, that's Marvel. It's Marvel. They you just know. don't seem to learn their lesson. Because I, I think I sort of owe it to him for liking those 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 uh, those earlier Spider-Man stories that he wrote to see what he, what he had in his second notebook for yeah. Iron Man. But... Man, yeah, five. If it, and I don't know. I don't. I have no idea if Iron Man's twice a month. I can't imagine it is. But yeah, five bucks. Goddamn Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> I think Marvel needs to make a rule, right? I think any book that's two times a month needs to be three bucks. Period. Even at even if it's only twenty pages each issue, like DC's doing. I think if you're gonna make a book twice a month, you just got to make it a two ninety nine book. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I would, I, I would agree, because you know, then we maybe we would actually try more of these books, but yeah. it's just not cost effective to give give a book a try out of the blue when it's you know significantly yeah. more than the other the other team. Agreed. Yeah. So you know, speaking of books that are likely to be five, six, seven, eight, nine dollars, um, yeah, they announced uh, this week in the pages of whatever X-Men book came out this week, Kitty Pride proposed to uh, Peter Rasputin, Piotr Rasputin, um, and uh, they are due to get married. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's, I guess it's finally going to happen. I would have loved to have Wayne on the show to talk about that because Wayne has has not been a fan of what they have done to Kitty Pride in the X-Men books, but uh, maybe he's interested in this turn of events. I remember when Kitty Pride and Iceman were a thing. That was before he he, he liked boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe yeah. that'll happen to Colossus now too. Yeah, she made him gay. I mean, I, that's, <laughs> that's what happened, right? <laughs> my my point is is that X Men and romance <laughs> never works out well. That's, that's oh what yeah. I'm saying. I I I gotta say I I, I really love the character of Colossus. Uh, and particularly enjoyed the Colossus of the future, you know, with the beard. You know, I, I like that guy. Um, I, I just the X-Men's always so hard for me because the stories just go all over the place. And it's hard to keep track of where we are in the X-Men story. Yeah. X-Men is like- one of those books that would just benefit from a book. Or <laughs> Where it's like, here's X Force. You only have to read X Force to get these guys. Here's right. X Factor. You only have to read this book to get these guys. Yeah. And then maybe they crossed over once every two years, but they never do. They cross yeah. over once every two months. Right. And it's just yeah. like, oh god, I can't even. <laughs> well, and during the holidays, you know, I was looking at the Marvel sale on Comicsology, and I was looking really hard at, you know, because when all new X Men was coming out, you know, when Bendis was writing it, I enjoyed the hell out of that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was, I was kind of like, you know, where did I fall off on this? And I just kind of, it was when the, the next round of like team cross started and it was like during that, the black mirror story, right. Uh, with, uh, that crossed over with the guardians. So I was like, Oh yeah, that's why I stopped reading that book. Yeah. I'm not picking those up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't care if they are 99 cents an issue. I'm not picking those up. Hmm. Uh, I would love to re- be reading an X-Men book. You know, that was like all new X-Men without the crossover crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed those books a great deal. And there's so many of them. You could just pick out the good ones, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you wouldn't have to have a shitty fucking character. 
<laughs> and now, granted, our list would be different, probably. Well, but yeah, like, it, it, in theory, you, you would like nobody needs to read about this one or that one. Like, yeah, we could toss them aside. Yeah, usually you're talking about the Grant Morrison created characters. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically. And I want the Chris Claremont stuff, like, right now. Yeah, no, I get yeah. you. I get you. Well, I have a, a lot of uh, good memories of the past on. Uh, uh-huh. Paul, Paul and Aaron read The Mighty Thor 703. <laughs> And so, you know, we, we had decided before recording that we weren't going to talk about this book because we didn't know that we had much to talk about in relation to it. And then, you know, we waited a couple of minutes and like, you know what, I do have something to say in regards to this book. And it's not so much the book itself. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about this backup feature thing that Marvel's doing with Wolverine. Yeah, what's that all about? That's the first one that I've seen, Paul. So I saw one, I don't remember what book it was, but I saw one... Um, a couple weeks back in another Marvel book. And so, you know, Marvel is building up to, I guess, this Infinity Countdown thing um, with these backup stories. I think I saw it in Captain America with these backup stories where it's like Wolverine pops in for a page. It is like they're, they're, they're calling it you know, they're like, well, you love the behind, you you love the the after credit scenes in our Marvel movies. You're going to love the after credit scenes in our comics now too, and so that's what they're trying to imitate, and that they're, we're basically following Wolverine around in like random places, and um, in this week's issue of Thor, uh, you know, Jane Foster is in the hospital. She has been told that if she turns into Thor one more time, she will die, um, and so basically the Odinson and uh, you know it help the Mangog is attacking. Um, I'm blanking on the name. Mid not Midgard. Uh, Asgard. Asgard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the Odinson goes alone to battle the Mangog. And so we know where this story is going. That Jane Foster is going to have to go help him and die. The, the name of the story is called the Death of Thor. Um, but again, I really wanted to just talk about the final page. There is a one-page thing at the very end of the book um, with art by Laniel Francis Yu where Wolverine drops off flowers at the uh, the hospital and walks off. And I gotta say, these things are so fucking useless. Yeah. I'd rather they just didn't do them. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, I, the thing about those... Um, the thing about those after credit sequences in Marvel movies is that one, they're either setting up a future movie or two, they, they're funny. They're funny. <laughs> or they're, yeah. Yeah. Or they're funny, quirky type things. Yeah. With this, we already know Wolverine's back. Right. So these really don't have any, they're, they're not really building up to anything. Like they're, they're not hinting at storylines. They're basically just Wolverine popping in and out of the story that's in the, the main book, um, but in a superficial way. So these, I think these are missing the point. If if yeah. these are, you know, you're not hyping me up for the fact that Wolverine's coming back because Wolverine's already back. Right. And you're not hyping me up for a storyline because these aren't building up the storyline. This has nothing to do with the Infinity Gems. Wolverine has an Infinity Stone right now. This is, this, this but it's not mentioned. He's just dropping off some flowers. Right. So for me, I find these very useless. Um, and I get that they're right now they're trying to, you know, they throw the little image on the cover. Where's Wolverine? To, I guess, buy, get people to buy books that they wouldn't normally just for collect, this sequence. Collect the whole set, Paul. Yeah. It's going to, it's, it's going to, it's going to, you know, form a complete puzzle. Like Voltron. Um, <laughs> but for me, I, I find them very useless. 
I agree. And since we're, we are talking about uh, Mighty Thor 703, I do want to say, you know, the issue is that Mangog is attacking Asgardia, right? And, you know, bringing, bringing the gods to justice because they are arrogant and, you know, they, they don't care about the peoples, right? Um, and I got to say, I, I feel about this like I feel like Thor Ragnarok. That, yeah, I think that the, you know, as depicted in the book, this version of the Asgardian gods are pretty fucking worthless. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think Odin's worthless. Uh, I mean, they're, they're all just worthless. I, I prefer earlier depictions where the, the gods are actually that they're not. They are. Um, yeah. Thor is their mightiest hero, but the rest of them are pretty cool too. Yeah. You know, um, I, and I, I just hate, it's just, it's a, it's, they're, they're space victims. And I'm just like, okay, if that's the case, wipe them all the fuck out. That way I don't have to read about them anymore. Yeah. You know, you know, if, if Jane Foster as Thor is the only one who, who is worth a damn in all of Asgardia, they deserve to be wiped away. And if Odin's just going to sit there and, and be all mealy mouth sitting on his throne, he deserves to be wiped away. I, I don't, I don't, and I, apparently something happened prior to that broke Odin's spirit. But I'm just like, God, you know, you you choose the attitude that you live with. I need Odin to pull himself up and be the all father that we all know and love. Yeah, agreed. You know, anywho, I, I just the, that part of the story irritates the hell out of me. I enjoy the character characterization of Thor Odinson. Uh, I enjoy I, I, I actually do enjoy Lady Thor. Um, it's just the other Asgardian gods that just irritate the tar out of me. And apparently Loki is a master of the mystic arts now. He's the sorcerer yeah, supreme. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, you know, I haven't been reading Doctor Strange, but uh, yeah, Loki's I, the sorcerer, sorcerer supreme. Yeah, I apparently missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, and Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange is a veterinarian now. So <laughs> there's that too. <laughs> so something's going on there. Yeah. So next week, comic stores. Some some big releases, you know, in addition to new issues of Action Comics and Detective Comics, we also get Doomsday Clock number three. Wahoo! Which I know, despite the fact that we were a little lukewarm on issue two, I'm very excited about number three. Um, the description says the story takes a turn in the third chapter. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious to see what, what twists and turns await us in the next issue of Doomsday Clock. And just as exciting, if not more... Is the second issue of Marvel Two and One? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. That's hot. Yes. Is there a metal book coming out this week? No, metal comes out. Uh, metal number five comes out on January 31st. Seems weird to me. Seems weird that it's been. I, I was surprised that there wasn't a metal tie-in book this week. Yeah, it's a uh, you know, that, and, and just jumping ahead a little bit, December th January 31st, couple of huge releases including metal number five, and um, I'm. I'm <sighs> It's seven ninety nine, but damn it, if I don't want that Swamp Thing Winter Special, um, the Swamp Thing Winter <laughs> Special, the creative team, Tom King and Len Wein with Jason yeah. Fabok and Kelly Jones. Yeah, that is all is this, star. So that would be Len Wein's last Swamp Thing book, right? That, did Tom King have to come in to finish it, or was it all always a partnership on that one? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, actually. Um, it, this features the final Swamp Thing story from the Monsters co-creator Len Wein, originally intended as the start of a new series. It is presented here both in its original script form and with art by Kelly Jones. 
Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I might have to check that out. Yeah. Well, Paul, you know, uh, on the feed, we've got all kinds of goodness. You know, we have our our uh, the ongoing adventures of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, uh, where we are uh, providing weekly commentary on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, So that's on the feed. Uh, And we've got all kinds of other stuff. Paul, what do you got going on over on the tube of you? Well, over on YouTube, you know, it's uh, we're in the off season as far as the Destination Geek coverage. So we're not really going out to any events currently. Um, you know, some stuff obviously coming up over the next couple months that we'll be able to share with you a little bit closer to time. Uh, so what we're doing is we're kind of focusing a bit on the merchandise side of things. Some folks are really digging our videos as related to, um, toy hauls, merchandise, Funko Pops, things like that. Um, so check that out at youtube.com slash ideology of madness. And over on our Instagram feed, that's at IOM Geek, uh, you can catch the 30-day Star Trek challenge where we explore the favorite things, all of our favorite things about Star Trek. So check that out, too. Um, You can give us a call and tell us what you think about what we're doing over here on Funny Books or on any other thing that we're doing or things that we should be doing. Um, give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Thank you.